Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. All right, guys, we're going to talk this morning about a fellow by the name of Isaac. Now, we're in a series right now of talking about really, really the heroes of our faith, the folks that really made a difference. We've talked about Abraham. We've talked about Moses. We have talked about about those kind of Bible story heroes that were really, really special people. And this morning we're going to be talking about a man named Isaac. He was the son of Abraham. And the story that we're going to share this morning doesn't have an awful lot about Isaac, um, but he is some someone that is more than just a laughing matter. His very name, Yitzhak, Ishtak, actually, was a name that was a corruption of a word that means he smiles, he laughs, or they laugh. And if you remember when God had told Abraham and Sarah that they would end up having a son, if you remember that, they both laughed. It wasn't just Abraham and it wasn't just Sarah. They both laughed. And the story was one that that was very important because their laughter was not a laughter of, yay! It was a laughter of like, yeah, right. Guys, when we talk about what God really wants in His world, He doesn't want us to go ahead and scoff at His promises. He wants us instead to be people that will take His Word as being absolute fact and important. Guys, last week I want to share with you something that came up. I made a statement that nowhere in the Bible does it say that we are to witness to everyone. That was in the context of saying that nowhere in the Bible does it say that I have to go and out of my own power tell everybody about Jesus. I said it in the context that you and I are to share the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ and the great commission in Matthew 28. We share that under the power and blessing of Almighty God's Spirit. If we do it on our own, it is dust and it is worthless. I truly believe that. I want to make that very clear. When I when I have the privilege of standing here and preaching God's Word, I want to make sure that I preach it accurately. And when I have people that I respect that come to me and say, hey, there was some question on this or this, what, what did you mean here? Then I need to be the person that will come in and say, here is exactly what I mean. Guys, listen, I believe that the Bible is true from Genesis all the way to maps. I believe it is God's inspired Word. And when we come together like we are here, if God says it in His Word, then it is not a question of whether we ought to do it. It becomes our command and our duty to perform it to the best of our ability. I want you to know that when God tells you you are to share the Gospel, He means that He is going to send you to the perfect situation, the perfect time, the imperfect weather, And you'll have the opportunity to go ahead and share under the power of His Holy Spirit the blessing and the story of how Jesus changed your life. 
what we're going to talk about this morning is a fellow that ended up being put in a situation because of, because of a mom and dad that had had some trouble following the very command of Almighty God. Isaac was a man who had a lot going on. Like Abraham, he grows up in a household that was in upheaval. An older half-brother, Ishmael, is vying for the blessing of his parents. He marries a girl named Rebecca, and they too are childless for many years. He deceives, he plots, just like his dad Abraham, and he has two sons that also vie for the blessing. Today we're going to be looking at a great story, though, of his youth. He only speaks one time that is of note in this scripture, but his words echo to you and me today. Got a few questions for you this morning before we begin. Here's one of them. Do you absolutely, where you are right now in your life, do you trust God? Do you trust God? This is yes, this is no, this is I'm falling asleep, all right? Do you trust God? If you do, then you're going to see in this scripture a story of trust. Do you believe that God will lead you to do His work? Do you believe that God will put you in the place and lead you to the place where you can do His work? Then you're going to find that this particular guy, Abraham and Isaac, are in the right place in the right time to do His work. And finally, I want to ask you again, do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that He is good? In fact, He is good. He is good all of the time. He is not safe. He will put you and me in positions where we can seemingly lose everything that is about our life. But He is good. And we trust, as C.S. Lewis said, we trust in His goodness, not His safety. Almighty God puts, puts Isaac and Abraham and Sarah in that place. This is a story of trust. God trusting Abraham. Abraham learning to trust God with his greatest gift, his son Isaac. And God trusting you and me enough to lay his son on the altar of sacrifice. His son, not yours. I'm going to invite you to stand together. We're going to read out of Genesis chapter 22. We stand to honor the reading of God's holy and perfect Word. And I'm going to invite you to read with me. <clears throat> now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, <clears throat> and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I tell you. So Abraham took and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him. <clears throat> on the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young man, Stay here with the donkey. And I will, and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. 
Do not stretch your hand against the lad, and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up a burnt offering in the place of his son. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. Thank you. Let me ask you another set of questions here. What is the most important thing thing that you have? What's the most important possession you have? It's interesting when I write the word possession and autocorrect says precious. What's the most precious to you? That's not what I meant. Uh, what's, what is the most precious possession you have? What is it? Somebody share with If you don't share, the sermon goes longer, okay? Your what? A shoe? Your shoes. Okay. Show me those shoes. You have them on? They, all right. Find me those shoes. Bring them next Sunday. I want to see shoes that are precious to you, all right? All right. So, somebody else? Family? Okay. We're talking about possession here, okay? Think, think, think in the possession. I know, I know. We say family. My, my. We had one little girl up here that said her Bible. That's a pretty cool thing. What's, what's, so, your phone? How many of you all uh, will check your phone before the end of this sermon? Raise your hand. Come forward and be saved. All right. <clears throat> if you fell into that trap, yeah, there you go. Um, it might be, it might be a possession, it might be a person, it might be a certain item, it might be a memory, something that is precious to you. Here is Abraham, and and God tells him to go up on Mount Moriah, and as he's going up there to take his son with him, and that he's going to go ahead and sacrifice his child. Now, there are a couple of things as we read this scripture a few minutes ago that I want to point out to you that kind of grabbed me. You remember the two servants that went with him? You remember what Abraham said to them? Wait here. What else did he say to them? He said, we will return. We will return. Now, God has already told him, you're going to go up there. And it's called the Akiba. It's the, it's the binding of Isaac. It's, it's that tradition that when Isaac was taken up there, and by the way, as Isaac's going up there, he goes, you know, Dad, there's one thing that we have forgotten, and it's kind of the most important thing. It's the thing we're going to sacrifice up there. And Abraham doesn't say what God has told him to say yet. He says, don't worry, God's going to provide. God will provide. God will provide. There was a trust in Abraham because he knew God, that God is good. He's not safe. This God has said, I want you to go ahead and and sacrifice your son. And oh, by the way, that place on Mount Moriah, there's a stone there, and that had been a ceremonial place 
were generations of folks that had laid, the Canaanites had lived in that area, and they had generationally found children to sacrifice there. They do it up in Megiddo as well, up in northeast Israel, northwest Israel, where they come in and they, they have this huge stone, and this stone is probably, the diameter of it is as wide as these pews right here. Huge circular stone. Biblical archaeologists, as they came in and they took that out, noticed that there were, in fact, remnants of human, nice way of putting this, human remains on that altar. Child sacrifice had not been something that folks in that time didn't know about. They knew about it. And God was saying, I want you, I want you to do what all of the other false gods have required their people to do. But there's a caveat. God promised Abraham and Sarah a son, an only son. Their prized possession was Isaac, their child. You remember the story. God promises a child, a son for a barren couple. They decide to take matters in, the, in their own hands, as it were, and Abraham conceives a child with Sarah's handmaiden, Hagar. That son is Ishmael, and there's been bad blood between him and Isaac's offering, offspring ever since. He watches as Abraham continues to try, lie, and defy God's commands. God watches as Abraham goes one time after another, and this fellow that has been promised a great promise seems to kind of go, you know what, I'll take care of it. God, know what, God, I'll get out of this with my own strength. You know what, God, I got this. You don't need to be involved. Let me share with you a truth about Abraham's life that you and I need to know. Never try to get ahead of God. When God makes a promise, never try to go ahead and fulfill that promise on your own. It's the same thing as God promising that He wants the gospel to be shared throughout, of, throughout this world and we get the idea that somehow I need to go and make sure I am the person that shares that gospel with everyone. God say, wait a minute, hold on, I've got a plan. We say, no, 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 God, I got this. Anytime we do that, folks, anytime you do that in your life, what ends up happening is we not only get ahead of God, but God purposely, when we advance in front of Him, just simply goes and simply says, have at it. Give it your best shot. And when you're tired of trying, I'll tell you what my plan was the entire time. God wants you and me Listen to me. To wait on Him. The psalmist says that again and again. As a matter of fact, 13 times in the Psalms it says, wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. What does that mean? None of us like to wait. You're waiting for this sermon to get over. None of us like to wait. What ends up happening is as we wait for the Lord, we get not only His promise, but then as His promise begins to take root in our life and we believe that promise, we take careful steps forward. God, is this the right step? Help guide my steps so that I will be where I need to be for you to give me the rest of the story of the promise. When we talked about Noah, 
God didn't wait for Noah to have to ask all the particulars. Remember what happened with Noah? God ended up telling Noah, this is what you're going to build, a big ship. And that ship is going to be this big by this big by this big. Specifics. And you're going to put two of each animal, male and female, in each each with, with their own, and they will go ahead and occupy that ship. And you'll put food in there. And I'm going to go ahead and raise a great flood. It was, it was highly specific. We would love to be Noah. Wouldn't that be an easier life? I got it all lined out for me. Hey, how about y'all right here? How about if God said, you know what? Here's what's going to happen. You are going to be the person that, that ends up curing cancer. You are. All right? You're not. What you're going to do is write the greatest 21st century symphony the world has ever heard. What you're going to do is you're going to follow. I'm talking to you. Yep. Yep. There you go. What you're going to do is have this great ability to be elected the President of the United States. Here she is. Get her autograph now. If you knew all of this now, what would we do in our life? Well, we just coast. Well, I got my life already planned out. God's already got it. I don't have to do a thing. You know the reason that God doesn't do that in your life and mine? It's because He wants us to trust Him day by day. Not just simply trust Him with our life and our eternity in Jesus Christ, but going from there, allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and help you walk with Him. And God watched Abraham continually say, I don't need you, God, I got this. Matter of fact, on two occasions, on two occasions, Abraham ends up lying about who his wife Sarah is to a king. He says, it's not my wife, no, she's a beautiful girl, hey, she's nothing to me. Ladies, let me ask you, if your guy said that about you, how long would your relationship last? About like that. Wouldn't last very long at all. Twice Abraham does that. He openly questions God's purpose in creating his people by circumventing God's plan. He continues to go his own way, even after the promise of God has been shared with him. He would be like most good Baptists are today. Sunday you act holy, but you're free to raise hell the other six days of the week. And let me share with you that that is not God's plan for your life and mine as a Christ follower. We don't come and act holy on a holy day and then somehow say, I got it for the rest of the time and I can do anything I want. God wants more than Sunday and Wednesday nights. If He cannot have you every day, He does not want you at all. Please hear this. That is not heresy. He will wait until you are ready to give Him everything. Abraham was not. In a very real way, God did not trust who Abraham is. He even says that after the encounter on the mountain of sacrifice. God even says that in verse 18 
of Genesis 22. He says, And through your offspring all nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. In one translation, it even says, I trust you now. God says that to Abraham. I trust you now. What did he trust in Abraham before? This is the guy that God chose to be the one of the great covenant of Israel. Are you trustworthy to God this morning? Does God trust you? Does He trust you to do what He asks you to do this morning? Because if He does not, you will be put in one situation like Abraham and Isaac again and again. And what ends up happening with with that is we begin that process of saying, I don't know that God loves me. The enemy comes in and says, I don't know, and, and whispers in your ear, I don't know that God really loves you. And we begin to descend into an abyss of disbelief and distrust of God. God does not trust Abraham. But listen to me. He trusts you and me this morning enough that he would give the sacrifice of his own son, trusting that you could receive him by faith. That's trust. Because he knows that you can say no. And yet he goes and he pursues your yes. You see, God calls Abraham and you to have a holy encounter with him. God is calling you to have a holy encounter with Him this morning. It's not always at church, but His call is to you this morning for a sacrifice of all of those things that are precious to you, for the teddy bear, for the PS4, for whatever else it is in your life that you hold up and you say, this is of value to me. God wants you to be willing to put that on an altar of sacrifice just as Abraham put Isaac on the altar of sacrifice. He didn't require your child to pay the ransom for your sin. He did send the right sacrifice, His Son Jesus, to pay for that ransom. This encounter God wants you to have with Him this morning will last for the rest of your life, and it will be worth it. It will be a couple of other things too. Understand this. It will be absolutely out of control. The encounter God wants you to have with Him will be out of control. You know, I I, I remember Dr. McGorman at Southwestern Seminary when we ended up talking one day about the allegory of Isaac and him being the the prototype typology of who Jesus is. By the way, if you take it to the fullest extent, here's Isaac. He's going up on a mountain. He's carrying the wood for the sacrifice. Jesus carrying the wood for the sacrifice of his own life with the cross. He goes up and he says, who is going to be the sacrifice? Jesus did that at the garden. Is there any other way this sacrifice can be taken away from me? The difference between Isaac and Jesus is Jesus willingly openly gave himself as a sacrifice. And it's interesting that Isaac, you never hear once, cry out against his father, what are you doing? Why am I here? You said there'd be an offering. Dr. McGorman 
made this comment. He said, who needs a boring God? Who needs a boring God? None of us want or need a boring God. Guys, let me share with you. God himself is not only alive, he is not only abundant, but he is anything but boring. If you haven't experienced that, an abundancy in the God of Jehovah and through him, then I want to share with you, you have not met the real God. He will go ahead and show you things about yourself and about the world he created. He will put you in situations that are anything but boring. I can guarantee you that when Abraham was on Mount Moriah with his son laying on the altar, he was not bored. He calls Abraham to have this encounter with him, to, to find out that it will, it will be an out-of-control encounter. The encounter he wants with you this morning literally will be out of control and fully under his control. And he will challenge the other gods of your life. He will challenge those other gods. Like Moses and Pharaoh, God will discard and discredit the lesser gods that inhabit your life and mine. He will call you to dismantle their idols and have a clear deck so that he and he alone is the focus of your time here. So that while you're in worship this morning, you're not worried about what's going to happen next week. No planning for this afternoon. God instead wants you to, to allow Him during this one, one hour to let Him have total and complete control of your life. Are you willing to do that? You see, He wants that part of your life that is so difficult to give. And He will only accept the first and the best of your life. He will only accept the first and the best of your life. Finally, I want to share with you this. He will always return the same to you and me. He will always give us His best. Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, hung on a cross for your sin and mine. I believe that. As a 17-year-old young man, I can remember in the upstairs of my parents' house saying, God, if this isn't a joke, I want what my friend over there, Chuck Lee, had in his life, a faith and a belief in an eternal God that could rescue you and me from sin. God gave his son and didn't all of a sudden say, I'll pull him off the altar at the last second like he did Isaac. He left his son to die on, a, on an altar for your sin and mine to demonstrate his great love for us. To demonstrate it. Not just talk about it, but to show it. Folks, that is worth more than one day a week for one hour at First Baptist Church. It is worth more than that. It's worth more than two hours on a Wednesday night. It is worth everything. And this morning God calls you to lay on that altar whatever it is that comes before Him and to walk away 
acknowledging the miracle of God's provision and sacrifice for your life. Let's pray. Holy Father, I pray in the next few minutes, during this time of commitment, during this time of invitation, that you will be honored in you and you alone. Father, I thank you for loving us and giving us this, this time together. I thank you that Isaac asked the very question that has to be asked in every one of our lives. Where is the sacrifice? Lord, we know this morning that that sacrifice was given for us 2,000 years ago through Jesus Christ. This morning you call men and women and boys and girls to not only acknowledge that sacrifice but receive it by faith and that you will allow us to not only know you but begin that wonderful encounter that will lead to places well past Mount Moriah. This is your time, Lord. I pray that you will bless it. I pray that you will call those that you have an appointed time for this morning to take their step of faith, whether it is a faith in you for the first time or to plug into a church family. Whatever it is, Lord, this is your time. Holy Spirit, you use it to honor yourself. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. This is a time in our church that we have what's called an invitation. It is a song that is sung. And during this time, if God is speaking to you about a decision that needs to be made, this would be the time that you can come forward and you can be received here at our altar. You can lay on this altar whatever it is that you need to let go of. You can go ahead and come to this altar and receive the very loving gift that God has for you. If God is calling you to make that next step in your faith walk with Him, I would invite you to do that during the playing of this song. Joe will be here to receive you. You come as God leads. Let's stand together and let's sing.